You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WCMJ. This is a sports podcast based that talks about NBA, football, and anything else that can come to the sports fan mind. We stick to the educated and the diehard fans, as well as the casual listener as well. Our show is brought to you by New Taylor & Associates, located at newlawoffice.com. You can also check out our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Strip Cam Fun also helps bring you this podcast, as well as our sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order of the freshest meat available in the United States. Now, let's take it over to our host. Here's Nate and Tim bringing you this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. We're back and later than ever. It's the Friday edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. I'm your host, the Parlay Prince, Nate Bush. And joining me, as always, is the walrus himself, the I'm never going to pick that line again, Tim Dombrova. Ooh, Canada. Except for Quebec. <laughs> That's the unofficial theme, isn't it? That's the Western version. The Western version. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, let's not talk about betting. Um, <laughs> hey, I've uh, done pretty good this week. I have not. My, I have... Uh, my, sacrament, my, my bet yesterday on uh, the Kings pulling one out over the, uh, the heat didn't quite work out, but I pulled the... Uh, yeah, I, I pulled a couple out. So pulled a couple, couple uh, good wins. The, uh, the typical gambler's lament. Just as as I always tell you, a bridge too far. You know, four yeah. out of five on the parlay, three out of four on the parlay. Just had to get greedy and get that last one in there that didn't pan out. Yeah, that's normally the way it goes. I know. Uh, there's still, you know, we put. We're about even in the account right now. We're close in what we what we put in this time. So, yeah, but as I've always maintained, we are so far ahead. Oh yeah, in the overall, it's not even. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's not even. This not, is rich man's whining that you're hearing right now. Yeah, yeah, this is us <laughs> just wanting to get more. This is just for Bogus, so he doesn't feel left out. Yeah. Hey, he complimented me on that call the other day, but I uh, noticed he's been uh, relatively quiet since I, uh, the one I put up. Well, last you know, Ed has got responsibilities and things. He can't be wasting twelve, fifteen bucks on gambling. You know. Yes. Sheets, Sheets needs that money to keep Sheets, their people Sheets, employed. Sheets is in need. I'm going to say this. Uh, congratulations are in order to our friends, the Hoffs. They're having a baby girl. Found oh, yes. that out the other day. And uh, poor Nick had to hold a shirt up that says, now daddy has two bosses. So <laughs> I got to kick out of that. Told him he better get used to being told what to do. And he says, what do you mean get used to? Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Hey, every man's got to walk his field. You made your bed, you laid in it. <laughs> I walked the line. There's a double entendre there with laid in it, but anyway. Yeah, well, uh, well congratulations, yeah. though, guys. Yeah, good for them. As we both know, parenthood, wonderful thing. It is. Uh, it is. I just cannot, uh, cannot say anything really bad about it. That's kind of why we were a little late this week. I had to be a parent. Uh, well, that's not entirely true. Well, and I mean, you were un- under the weather. In my uh, sadly, my uh, advanced age is starting to take its toll on my podcasting. Can... <laughs> yes, it's killing you. 
from laying on the couch and talking into a microphone. You know how hard it is to get out of bed and go lay on a couch, Nate? Yeah, it's it's rough, buddy. Taxing. Yes. I, I, I now identify with James Harden. Yes, I can see that. How hard it is to get off the court once you've fallen down there. Amen. All right, well, speaking of basketball, lots to get to this week. We got two great guests, return guests. We've had them on before. We're going to dive deep into the NBA this week with uh, our guests. But first, let's kick off with the NCAA. News just broke not even an hour ago here as we're recording. The NCAA will allow fans in to the basketball tournament, including the Final Four. 25% capacity uh, is what they're going to allow. So they immediately announced that the games will be moved from the gym to the football stadium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. Um, that's you know, it's good news. And I mean, usually the first and second round, maybe you get to 50% capacity. Well, you know, I mean. Like a I filter in, filter out thing. I mean, I guess it depending on the, I mean, let's say probably what, where they're holding it might be around 10,000 maybe. Roughly, yeah. Let's let's say roughly. Okay, so if you get twenty five, you got twenty five hundred fans in there. That's enough noise to. Well, least... it depends on you know which building, like because obviously the Final Four, Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, you know that's where they're holding it. So, well, I'm, I'm just going for like the early rounds where they're holding yeah, the it in, round, in four different places. Um, I assume there's going to be at least a couple of those venues aren't going to be real big on the. Uh, seating capacity. I don't know for sure, but uh, let me see here. I'll I'll look into it. Uh, NCAA basketball tournament twenty twenty one. We will go ahead and look at the buildings, and then maybe we could get a. Uh... Like, it, I mean, regardless, even if even if you got five thousand. Okay, here they capacity. are. Uh, Mackey Arena. Yeah, that's a decent size, from what I know. Well, I mean, let's let's look up and find out here. I mean, that's what we're here to do. Let's let's figure it out. So we'll we'll check this out here, and we'll see the capacity. Uh, it's the home of Purdue. The capacity for Mackey Arena is uh, fourteen thousand eight hundred four. Oh, and if it's for Purdue, those seats aren't really even broken in yet. Yeah, really. There's, there's going to be a lot of people that a lot of those seats have never been seen. Ooh, ooh basketball. Uh, so twenty five percent of that, three thousand. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, if you get three thousand, if they're the right kind 3, of fans, almost four thousand. I mean, I that's mean, not you, terrible. All I ask is it's enough to cover up some of the squeaking of shoes. That really drives you crazy, doesn't it? Oh, it really does. But I'm old, so you know. Well, I mean, no argument here, but yeah, do you guys wear some uh, some uh, fur on the bottom of those shoes so they don't squeak? And there's so much? the Simon Skadot Assembly Hall. SKJODT. They are a a capacity of seventeen thousand two hundred twenty-two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a big, big building. Oh, so that's four thousand plus. Yeah, we're looking at forty-two hundred people there. Um, They house the uh, Indiana Hoosiers. Oh, so those seats are used. Yes. Yes, those are used. Then there's the Banker's Life Fieldhouse. That's the home of the. The Pacers, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It is. They hold, uh, for basketball, 17,923. Oh, did I ever nail that? You did. 
And we're looking at 4,400, almost 4,500 people for that. Let's see what other movies. Uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is a throwback, big time. Hinkle. You don't hear too many places called the Fieldhouse anymore, and I no, kind of miss it. That's a term. Hinkle Fieldhouse is uh, Butler. Home of yeah, Butler. Butler's pretty, pretty got a pretty good program. Yeah. Smaller uh, school. 9,100 people for oh, that one. Oh, so... Mind you, depending on the, the configuration of the building. Yeah, I mean, it's 2,275 people. Well, if it's an there. old building, the, the seats there might be a lot closer to the court than in a newer building where Absolutely. everything's built and up. You know what? Those smaller buildings are usually better for basketball. Hey, if I'm a basketball player after playing a season in front of nobody, 2,500 people is going to seem like a lot. So Indiana, Here's the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Originally, the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Only in Indiana. 6,800 people. Farmers Arena. Good Lord. Seven, only 1,700 people will be in there for that. And finally, Lucas Oil Stadium, which is where the Colts play. Um, let's see here if we can find out for basketball how many it holds. Uh, for basketball, 70,000 people. You're looking at 20,000. 20, not quite 20,000, 18, uh, something like that. 17. I can tie 17 to be would be 60, would be 68,000. 17,500. So, I, you know what? I, I, I don't take it. I mean, anybody's better cool. than nothing. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that's it's really neat to see, I think. Uh, that we're I, I think it's good building. that, that uh, I don't know, we'll get into it when we start talking about the All Star game. But I have to hope that it's, you know, okay, parents and families and Get a chance to see the yeah. kids play and all that because that's really what it's supposed to be all about. So I, I agree totally. I don't think you need, you know, obviously you'd love to have your student sections. Um, well, they're the best. Could, they're the best fans normally for noise. Yeah, but right? you do want so, the, the you want your families to get to go. I mean, well, I, don't, I don't I don't think you want to be competing with anybody's moms. I know I would. <laughs> you got some moms out there that'll mess you up. You start talking trash about their boy. That's the truth. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's well, that's some cool stuff there. That's some good news on a lot of fronts. That uh, somebody somewhere has uh, either the, the COVID is finally broke in, or else people have just finally said to hell with it. Let's follow the numbers the rules in the state and... are dropping uh, at a rap. I was looking at them yesterday. They have really been dropping steadily. Um, just in my state alone, we'll use West Virginia as the the point here. Uh, let me see. Today is the 19th. Yesterday, only new, now this is new cases for the entire state 355. That's huge uh, for us. On, on how many tests? Now, that I don't know. Is that but the seven that, day? That is, but that is relevant. I mean, if well, it is, like... but the seven day average is 334, and the number of deaths of uh, yesterday, 11. So that's another positive that those numbers are going down. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, please frame that in the, that 11 deaths is positive. Well, I mean, it's just good. The numbers are dropping. That's one positive. Cause if you look at our state, you know, look at January 8th, new cases in a day, uh, almost <coughs> 1900, you know, we're looking at 1896 yeah, new right. cases and we're down to 355. I'll take that to the bank all day. Okay, I don't know what we had yet. Okay, we got what, what, twice as many people as you do, I believe, roughly. Yeah. Okay, we had yesterday 
415 on 11,000 tests. So that's what under 4%. That's around three and a half percent. Five deaths in the province. So that's not, yeah, I mean, too many. Our active cases is, is in half of what it was like a month ago. Yeah, neither it's are really, It's really went down. The United States uh, new cases yesterday dropped to 71,874. <laughs> I know that's a lot, but I'm telling you. like, No, it's, it's just a, a lot. Month ago, a month ago. A month ago. You know, we're looking at look at a month ago. Like a month ago. Oh, we was hit, the, what was it? 300,000 there. Yeah, we were getting close to 300,000 in a day. It was 229,000 in a day. And we're, we've dropped that. We've cut that in more than half. Down to seventy one thousand a day. Like this is really I hate to be that guy, but seventy one thousand, that's a great number for us. It's just funny because like I mean, okay, I you know, ten times the size of Canada. So Yeah. And a right? lot more people. We got a lot more people too. Well, know? I'm talking population wise, ten yeah. times is this big. But by that logic, we should have seven thousand, right? Let's- this is no time to point fingers. And we only have <laughs> time we to have, celebrate a yeah, little but bit. We only have 3,200, and we're having a heart attack up here. Like, oh, my God, it's too many. When is it going to stop? And then look down across the border and go, oh, my God. <laughs> Just shut up. It ain't so bad. Let's, it, let it, it ain't, snow. It ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah, let it snow. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, we'll so, see. I mean, that's some good news. Uh, you're starting to see people going back into buildings now. Uh you know, slowly, and that's a good thing, I think. We've Let's... went to uh, we we we've adopted a five step thing now, but there has to be a based on hospitalizations, not positive tests. Yes, somebody's done the math there and figured out maybe that's not the best uh, number to use. But they got finally got smart. Now it's okay once it drops below whatever the threshold number is, whatever it is. Yeah. Then we then we have to wait another month. Then they go into the next phase of opening back up instead yeah. of going, well, let's just open it up. The number dropped below 12 yeah. today, so yeah. let's let's go. And that didn't work the first time, so we'll see. Well, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully things are in the right. Getting better, though, people. It's only been a year, but it's getting better. <laughs> let's... Uh... Let's let's just try to get you know some back to normal. Uh, here's the NCAA top twenty-five standings. If we could take a look here, real quick. Gonzaga sets at number one still. They've won twenty-one straight. They're twenty-one and zero. At number two is Baylor, which they haven't played in a while. So I'm not sure. Have they went back to playing yet? I haven't seen any Baylor results. They played February second. That's the last time they played. Their next game is the twenty-third. That's, That's a long, long layoff. Well, long. I mean, when we get to this next couple of teams, that they had a long layoff too, and it just worked wonders for them. So, yeah, Michigan goes fifth. They're fifteen and one. They've won four in a row. Ohio State eighteen and four at number four. They've won seven in a row. And Illinois fifteen and five have won six in a row. So, Big Ten representing in the top twenty-five. Things getting back to normal. Uh, Houston. <laughs> At number six. Uh, let's not talk about yeah, Houston. Yeah, you're not too keen on Houston at the moment. How do you lose to how does what, six, Wichita State? How does a sixth ranked team in the country lose to a team that isn't even ranked and not only lose, but really lose from the tip off? Like, yeah. You almost thought Ron Baker was back at Wichita State. It, it's there. not as bad as that other beatdown we took, though. Wow. Well, yeah. 
Where uh, no no what who, even who was that? Serena Williams. Uh, <laughs> yeah no no I that saw that one. Rough. No I saw that one coming. I wouldn't have made that bet. No uh, basketball. There, I believed I mean, in my girl. Uh, we're uh, loyal to Chicago. Oh yeah. Beat a team by forty points. And then in their lose. first meeting, and then lose in the second one. Yeah, had a twenty point spread. Alabama yeah. or Virginia sets at number seven. Uh, Alabama is eight. I'm not used to seeing Alabama in the NCAA top twenty five for a while. There they are. No, I mean they're they're starting to build a nice little basketball program down there. You know, Colin Sexton went there. They don't, so. have, a, uh, they don't have a Saban in charge of that program, but <laughs> they might. Uh, yeah, they need a West Virginia guy to come down there and run it right. Uh, number nine, Oklahoma. Number ten, Villanova. Eleven, Iowa. Twelve, Texas. Thirteen, West Virginia. Go Mountaineers. Fourteen, Creighton. Fifteen, Texas Tech. Uh, Florida State at 16. Here's one that's kind of surprising. Seven-game win streak for the USC Trojans. As they said, at 17. They're 18-3. and three. Virginia Tech is 18. Tennessee, 19. Missouri, th- uh, 20. Wisconsin, 21. Loyola, Chicago. Obviously, this is going to change on Sunday. Yeah, they, but won't be, they won't be there in the next top 25. Kansas at 23. Arkansas, 24. San Diego State rounds it out at 25. Still yeah. no Duke. Still no how Kentucky. S- how sweet it is to not hear it's Duke. Weird, no Michigan State either. Like you would think Tom Izzo's bunch normally. They they normally have a pretty good program. I don't know where they're sitting. I looked up, I looked up Duke as you know my great hatred of Duke. I know how much you hate Duke. It's, it's um, okay. They were at... 66. Uh, Michigan State is four and nine. This oh, good lord! Yeah, they're, they're probably not even in the top one. Or not, excuse, am, I, am I looking at that right? No, that's the conference. They are 10 and nine overall, four and nine in the conference. Well, they'd be probably be floating around because what Duke is nine and eight, I believe. So they're probably floating around in that. Well, for those that love the Dukies, let's take a look here. ACC. Duke is uh, nine and eight, seven and six in the conference. UNC's kind of turned it uh, turned it around a little bit. They're thirteen and seven. Uh, Louisville is up there. Clemson is up there, thirteen and five. Notre Dame well, nine and ten. Sorry, Bob. You know what's hard to find is the actual NCAA rankings. They, they're out there. Yeah. Any, any further than twenty five gets difficult. Yeah, it does. You have to really dig it up to find it. Which. I usually do. So let's see here if I can pull this up quick. Keep talking. Well, I mean, if you can find it, that's great. It is tough to find, but yeah, just a lot of those teams that you would uh, you you think are going to be there or normally are there are not right now. All so, right. So kind of, uh, who do you want to know about? Uh, tell me um, where would uh, Kentucky be at? Probably pretty low because they've really crapped the bed this season. Let's see here, Kentucky. North Carolina is at 51. Yeah, I mean, I think North Carolina gets in the uh, tournament. Duke, really... Duke is at 60. You know the sad part? They're going to sneak in. They, Duke they, is going to sneak they in. They might the not, though, because because of the inside the conference, for them to get in, they're going to have to put, like, seven AAC teams in there or ACC teams in there, and I don't they know if they might. can. Like, would it shock I don't know if they can get away with that. They might do it. Notre Dame is at 65. Uh, I don't, they're not, I don't they're, think Notre Dame's going to get in. Well, but see, but they're nine and ten. 
Duke is nine and eight, so they're not that. And Notre Dame has beaten Duke, so how do you, you know, I mean, how do you get... work? How do you work that out? Uh, where where we go? Marshall is at sixty nine. Go herd, baby. Uh, Kentucky is at seventy seven. I think that's a generous ranking. Well, this is uh, you know they busted down here into. Uh, uh, <laughs> They got a you know they got quadrant one wins quadrant two quadrant three quadrant yeah. four wins, so they base it on that. Um, you know Kentucky against quadrant one competition is two and eight. Oh yeah, they're not good. Here's the problem with Kentucky, and this has been I, I'll preach this to the heavens. All the athletes in the world can jump out of the gym, look great, five star recruits. They're wonderful athletes. They don't have shooters. They don't have any shooters. If you can't shoot, you will lose. Wasn't that That's Duke's, the way it is? Isn't that Duke's problem this year? It, it really, is. Uh, Michigan State is ninety first. Wow. That's, you don't I mean, hear that very they're, often. They're ten and crew. They're ten and nine. They're two and eight against top tier competition. Yeah. So you know that'll do her. Yeah, it will. Usually Tom Izzo's crew, not uh, not that bad. But, you know, hey, well, everybody has their down years. As we said, there has been a bit of a, a changing of the guard in NCAA uh, basketball it, it, this it's year. It's becoming anyway. more and more even, as you would say, and I think that's a good thing. Well, so. the recruiting, uh, so many of the top schools, they recruit so well and so many of their guys leave. Yeah, when they when they all leave, or three or four of the starters leave, and there's just there's nobody left. And you start and you start seeing these teams that have kept guys together, have kept people there for a long time, and their chemistry builds. That's an issue for a lot of teams. That's why that's where you see in the uh, in the tournament where some Ivy League team that isn't really all that good record wise. Beats a, a number three or something because they they played together for four years and they actually they got a system and sometimes it works really good versus yeah you know a team that's got a superstar and that's it and they don't have anything else yeah that's very true very very true um but okay you know NCAA things are looking like that so we wanted to, to, to update you on the NCAA we hadn't had a chance yet to to talk about him in a couple of weeks so. Uh, what do you say we shift gears and we head over to the NBA? What say you, Tim? Uh, I guess if we have to. <laughs> if, anybody right. talk, if anybody needs a shoulder to cry on when it comes to talking about the NBA, it's me these days. Oh, my goodness. No, man, you could write the Minnesota Timberwolves are like a Harlequin romance. You just have to change the names. The ending is always the same. It's it's just been. Oh, What's it's the so- score? What's the score going into the fourth quarter? Don't matter. What I, did I not tell you the other night? They were winning against Indiana, and, and it just—it just don't matter what the score is. They are going to lose more than likely, especially if they're yeah. ahead after three. Oh, especially I, I told you the other night. It was like they're going to overtime with Indiana. I was like, they're going to lose. It's over. We don't win in overtime. And I guess mean, what? they lose. Yeah, I mean they're going to start doing this thing where okay, what are we up by? Ten in the third. Okay, put in the second stringers. Yeah, it's pretty much what they do. Yeah, we've got to get behind a little bit before the fourth quarter starts. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> All right, here's a little bit of a news update for you. We're, we'll hit the big topics for sure. Uh, here's one. The Washington Wizards have been granted a disabled player exception. 
worth $4.16 million because they lost Thomas Bryant to a season-ending injury. Uh, no more Thomas uh, Bryant this season. The Nets season. get one of those for Kyrie. <laughs> he's still playing, believe it or not. <laughs> Even if he's playing, they should still get one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see oh, here. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson undergoing surgery on his right hand. He'll be out four to six weeks. He suffered a fracture of his fourth metacarpal. That's fingers. For those of you that don't Didn't Tom suffer from that injury? Or was that his left hand? I don't know. Well, he's a Robinson. Well, that's true. Uh, But yeah, he broke his hand. I think blocking a shot or something, and he he was able to to break his hand. Funny, because Tom did his taking a shot. (laughs) Jesus. That's pretty good. (laughs) Oh, by the way, by the way, um, you know the West Virginia-Oklahoma game? This past week that went to double overtime, that was uh, yeah, a really good ball game. Number 12 versus number 14. Mm-hmm. That was this past weekend. Yep. yep. You know, it wasn't on national television. What a surprise. It was on ESPN friggin' Plus. Somebody out there, somebody explain to me why in the hell you have number 12 and number 14 playing each other and they're not on national television. They're not you, even on local television. Do you really want to know why? Money, I know, but... Well, uh, and, and let's be honest. No, I'll take it further. I'll say it. ESPN, very, very blue. Oklahoma and West Virginia as states, very, very red. Well, even though, I mean, still, that has very little to do with anything. You want to hear something better, though? That game was on TSN in Canada, for Christ's sake. Of course. I watched it. It was a great game. I couldn't watch it. I don't. I, you, hell How does that game not get on TV? <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for all the all the weird stuff I see, like you know, like I mean, okay, for me it's mostly hockey, but I'll turn something on and it's it's the Florida Sunshine Belt Network and it's Tampa Bay or so, you know they can cover that. Nobody's watching hockey in Florida. Nobody. It's Canadians watching it everywhere but in Florida. I mean, I I just I couldn't figure it out because I'm like. Well, okay, 12 and 14 are playing. Let's see what's on, you know, ESPN and all the, the big channels. You got Scrubs. Yeah, welcome to ESPN 1. Today we have darts. Like ball, nothing wrong with darts, mind you. I like a good game of darts. No, but but but, but relatively speaking, ESPN yeah. 1 has darts. Uh, ESPN 2's got bowling. There's hurling on ESPN 3. I do, I do like bowling, man. <laughs> I like to watch bowling, but like... <laughs> Here's some of the other big, all right, here, West Virginia, let's look at Saturday real quick. I hate to shift back to this, but this really pissed me off. West Virginia, Oklahoma, two overtime game by one, goes to a one point ending, 12 and 14, not on TV. Here's all the other games that we, that were on, that could have, you know, possibly been on TV. I don't have what was what, but it's uh, Indiana, Ohio State. Okay, I can see you want that one on TV. Well, that's Ohio State. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Florida State, Wake Forest, that one actually went to overtime. Here's some of the other games from that day. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Loyola, Chicago, and Drake. And I ain't talking about the rapper either. UConn and Xavier. Uh, Cent- Universe, or is that Illinois- University of Illinois, Chicago against IUPUI. Ch- Chattanooga and the Citadel. Canassas versus Quinnipiac. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Kentucky, Auburn. VMI, Stanford. Northeastern and Tosin. Charleston and Elon, 
Georgetown Butler, Texas TCU, LSU Tennessee. None of these games were better or even preview were better than the West Virginia-Oklahoma game. The alumni of IUPUI is very upset. Well, I'm sure. All four of them. I don't even know what that stands for. I have no idea what the IUPUI is. IUPUI. Let me let me find out. I'm going to find this out. And I can think of a few things, but I'm pretty sure it's none of those. Okay, here it is. Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. IUPUI. I mean, I thought that was something you gave when you borrowed some money from somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, it's Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Good Lord. It is a public research university in Indianapolis, Indiana. They have a basketball team. They do. That rates national coverage. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently they do. Well, you know, I mean, let's... There's a reason why ESPN is going to the dogs. They're and trying, that's one, they're and that's one they're of trying them. to do is force people to go over to ESPN Plus to pay six bucks a month to watch a game. That's as bad as here with the uh, NHL center ice. Hey, your local team's playing, but not in your local town. If you want to watch them, that's yeah. going to cost you $42 a month to, to view that, to which I do this. You people at home can't yeah. see this, but I I don't mind paying a couple bucks, but I'm not paying. I mean, the center ice, I believe, was in the shortened season this year was 193 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, nope, not doing it. The NBA, uh, the NBA pa- package was uh, t- after tax was two sixty four. So, yeah, they have this thing called Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, you get put on a watch list. Uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say <laughs> that I don't buy Center Pass, and I'm not gonna say that I don't turn it in as a business expense, but. Um, I'm I buy, buy late passes uh, in as a business expense. You may say you, do, you that you do or don't. I, I do. You do. I may say I don't, but that doesn't mean I don't. Yeah. I just, you know. I mean, I'm not lying though. I mean, I turn it in on my taxes because this I, is business, and we need it for business. I feel like now is the right time to say the most wonderful thing about Steve New. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one, uh, Blake Griffin. And the Pistons have agreed that Blake will sit out of the lineup until the franchise and his representatives can work through a resolution on his playing future. Yes, now, but let's get to the important part of this story. Draymond Draymond is mad about it. Yeah, Draymond Green, for some reason, is upset. He doesn't feel that... that, uh, What did he say? That uh, James Harden was vilified for not wanting to play, but when a team does it, it's okay. And I'm like, yeah, because they're the ones who pay the millions of dollars, you moron. Well, also, also, I look at it and say, if you don't, if if you continue to allow him to play, and let's just say, you know, he gets hurt, then you can't move him. <laughs> but, but but it's for me, it's just it's employee employer. Are they paying him? Yeah. Yes. All right. So who? Can, uh, I mean, if I'm Blake Griffin, I'm okay. Maybe you want to be playing, but if you're not, like you're, to. but if you're getting, you're not, and you're getting paid because it's well, you know, we we want to protect you so that. Because I mean, because let's be honest, Blake Griffin is a hobbling wreck anyway. You know, he is one 
hop from being back on the IR. Yeah, and he's had to change the way he plays, and he's not as athletic as he once was. And right, so... You know, just not as I good mean, as he once I mean, was. what's worse? The team protects him uh, and their investment and doesn't Absolutely. play him. and they're going to not play him and look for him a place to go for his talents. Because Detroit realizes they're not winning anything anytime soon. Right. I mean, they want Dray- to get out from under this contract. They want to move him somewhere. Even if they have to, they're looking to even buy him out. I mean, would Draymond feel better about it if they they dressed him but only let him play crappy minutes? He's playing three minutes a game. Would he feel better yeah, then? Be, you know, probably not. So, I mean, what's like I said? What's worse? They don't play him to protect him, or he does a James Harden. And yeah, I'm playing, but I ain't doing shit. I'm getting fatter by the minute. That you know what he pulled, or 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 conversely, a player that well, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not playing for this team anymore. Trade me. I'm not going to play. They do that all the time these days. And yeah, I don't know, man. If you you signed a contract with a team, as long as they're paying you, you can be mad about stuff, I guess. But I don't. It's very hard for me to sympathize if you're getting. I'm sure paid. Blake's not that upset. He's still getting paid, and he's saving his body for a time when he's going to go to a team that would need that him. That mother is that. Magic City as we speak. <laughs> I mean, come on. You I think a guy sense. with you think a guy with that kind of money is all that tore up? Oh yeah, he's tore up from the floor up. That they sent him home. Yeah. Oh yeah, here, here, go home. Here's your I mean, I don't know what Blake Griffin's getting paid, but it's a pretty good chunk. Here's your three hundred and forty two thousand dollars. What do you think, he in, do you think he well, he's gotta be making what? Mid mid twenties to low thirties, probably. Uh, let me let me. I'm gonna find out here. Let me pull it up. I mean, it seems to me he signed a pretty good sized contract the last time around. Let's see here. When he signed, he signed a five year. Let's see. Let me find it here. Five year, one hundred seventy one million dollar contract. Hey, so he's getting thirty million dollars a year. Bust that. You down. know what he's getting this year? 36 million. This All year. right. Now divide 36 million by what are they playing this year? 80 games? No, not even. Well, 70, get... I think it was 70, 71. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Well, do it by 36 million by 72 games. What's that breakdown to per game? Uh, 36 million. We'll say 72 games, 500 grand a game. All right. So Blake, go home. You're going to miss seven or eight games, but we're going to send you a check every day for $500,000. For every game you miss. For every game you don't play. Yeah. Oh, no, please, no. And if he decides, and if they decide to buy him out, they got to give him all of the money that's left owed to him on his deal. No, I'd rather... I'd rather go and deal with the COVID protocols and all yeah. the nonsense that's going on right yeah. now. Please, oh, man. <laughs> please, I'd do anything to play in the bubble. <laughs> and the worst part is he's playing for Detroit. They're not winning anything anytime soon. I mean, the only thing worse would be playing for Minnesota. Uh, all right. I mean, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, well, there's no, I'm sorry, but. Cleveland is already gauging the market on Andre Drummond. They said right now there's no ongoing serious trade discussions. And you know why Cleveland's doing it? Because they got Jared Allen. I told everybody when they got Jared Allen, that's what was going to happen. And look at it. Here it comes. Cavaliers general manager, Kobe Altman, discussed the move with Drummond and his agent. And they decided together that Drummond would remain with the team, but would no longer be active for games. 
Drummond is just going to sit out the rest of the season and I, collect a check. What other business in the universe can you sign people to? You're the one who signed these guys. And then turn around and go, you know, we're just going to send you home but keep paying you. Cause... You know how much he's making this year? <laughs> well, I can safely say it's a hell of a lot more than me. I mean... Me and you and Bogus put together. Even with, even with the exchange rate, I feel comfortable in saying I make less. <laughs> this year, and remember, he signed this contract in Detroit. So Detroit is the king of giving people a lot of money, and then they got to sit at home. $28 million. Actually, closer to $29 million. Okay, so, However, and this he's is been the last in year of his deal. Okay, but he's been in Cleveland for how long? Uh, he, he came there in a trade last year. All right. So what has happened in Cleveland since last year's trade? Not that much. Su- that suddenly, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, I know we were, we invested $28 million in this guy, but nah, send him home. Well, this they sounds did. like WCW. They didn't do what well, they, they did, but they didn't, if that makes sense. They signed, he signed the deal in 2016 with Detroit. They're the yeah, ones but, that, okay, that signed they, the deal. But Cleveland traded for, for him. And they knew what he was getting paid. Yeah, and now suddenly, now suddenly, nah, he don't fit in anymore. Well, uh, I'll give him this. This is the last year of his deal. After this season, he walks, and that's money off their book. That's $28 million in cap space. Yeah, fair enough, but if I'm paying somebody $28 million a year, if they're not doing what I hired them to do, they're doing something. Well, his expiring contract is now worth more than him to Cleveland. I mean, I would Andre would be holding the six foot long stick, keeping social distancing protocol. He'd be doing something. I'm sure he's still, you know, working out and staying, and, and potentially he may be practicing, you know, staying in shape. But I mean, Although I, I want to. Can we bring that back around to the Duke thing? Sure. That the guy who walked, and now it's well, I have a foot injury. Yeah. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, I forgot about that. The, the uh, I have player, a, I have a foot injury, so I'm going home, and everybody's going. Okay, if you have a foot injury, why wouldn't you stay at probably one of the highest ranked medical facilities in college basketball? Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson, uh, he uh, he quit. Well, the see, J- you, did you know that Jalen was in two high schools? They quit he, a team in high school too. Quit, he, yeah, no, it's better than that. He quit a team in high school, went to another team, never played a single game there, and went back to his original school. What was the point in that? No one seems to know. I have the sneaking suspicion that either Jalen is a bad apple or his folks or whoever is running his career has got issues because this is... I think that not, second one is a ding-ding. Yeah, because this is uh, not, you know... Apparently, anyone who knows him says this is not out of character for him. He quits a lot. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> but so like speaking, I said, I mean, thinking of leaving teams and going elsewhere all the time, Kevin Durant, uh, he's had to miss a couple games due to a left hamstring strain. Uh, he should be back soon, but yeah, Durant has missed games recently. And, so, and yet somehow got uh, is the captain of the All-Star team. I, he deserves it, in my opinion. He does. He deserves it. When he's, he's in and he's... When he's in and he's healthy, he deserves it. How many? Okay, so he hasn't missed that many games this year. How many games has he missed? Bullshit, he hasn't missed that many games. Go look. What? How many games has he missed? Well, you go look and tell me if it, it isn't like he's only missed three or four. 
what, maybe 10? I, I mean, so I ten, don't know. 10 out of 30 is not too many for you? Well, I mean, hold on. Well, let me look this up. I got to find out. And if he's missed 10, he's missed a third of the season. That's quite a bit in my world. Uh, well, he had to miss due to COVID. That wasn't his fault. No matter. He didn't play him, though. Okay. Uh, I'm actually looking to see how many games he's played this season. All right. 19 games he's played. Out of? Out of? I, I don't. I'm looking. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't I mean, know. I really, I don't know. I, I have to look to see how many games the Nets have played. Well, you should have these numbers at your fingertips. I'm disappointed. I do. I have to load, though. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, internet. <laughs> yeah, the internet's being slow. Uh, so he's missed 12 games. Okay. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Durant's not a good player or a great player, but when you've missed a third of the games your team has played, you're not an all-star of anything. I'm sorry, you're just not. I can't agree with you. Yeah. I really can't because... You don't need to. You see, see look, at, look at your picture. See your beard? It's all yeah. still the same color. Yeah. See mine? These gray streaks of wisdom? Oh, shit. But no, Kevin Durant is an all-star. When he's there and he's healthy, 29 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He's on pace to possibly be MVP. He's an all-star. In my yeah, you, there's no way in hell you're winning MVP when you've missed a third of the games your team played. Dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the top racers for MVP. You, you want to make that argument that Damian Lillard's going to win MVP? You're still barking up that tree? I think he's got a good chance. How long is your list of guys who got a good chance? There's about six or seven guys that got a legitimate shot this year at being MVP. They, really, they do. I can tell you who won. Well, Damian them Lillard is averaging 30 points per game with I eight assists. You, I can tell you who one of them is not. Who? Anybody who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Got that damn right. <laughs> and, in, uh, and in your defense, anyone who plays for the Toronto Raptors ain't winning it either. Yeah. Uh, each player who participates in the all-star game and the competitions will be, now here's this, they will be required to travel to Atlanta on March 6th via private transportation, depart the day after the game. Daily testing will be required. Well, I, thought they would, I thought they would all be given a Gucci-sponsored face mask. Yeah, they might. The NBA also plans to hold the three-point competition and skills challenge during the pregame of the all-star game on March 7th. And the dunk contest will be at halftime. I did the see. NBA, the NBA is, is pulling a, man, we don't want to pay anymore for this building. <laughs> We're well, getting did, all in in one day. They did have an uh, uh, interview with Adam Silver. Yeah. And he danced, you know, he was like a world <laughs> championship gymnast dancing around, not really wanting to come out and say that it was, 100% because of the money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, but he couldn't say that, right? So he, he oh, politician skills, you know, uh, unbelievable where oh, he said Adam everything. Silver, Adam Silver is the best at doing heel tactics and still coming out looking like a baby face. You know, what he, said? You know what he said? Well, nobody thought we could pull off the bubble either. <laughs> Smooth. That's and then, He's right. Yes, but what's that got to do with whether or not there should be an all-star game? Nobody said you couldn't do it safely. It's just, should there be one? Hey, nobody's saying <laughs> the all-star game. Like, nobody's saying, oh, the all-star game's stupid. 
I enjoy the All Star Weekend festivities. Well, we'll when see it, what. But the, uh, when there's a global pandemic, even though the numbers are coming down, and and yes, we're hopeful things will return back to normal soon. I don't want to risk it. We'll see what the television rating on the All Star Game is, because oh, it should God. be it should be decent, but it should it may be not. Up, it should be up this year because of everything being in one day. Because uh, I'm, I'm gonna, honestly, I'm going to probably watch at least watch the skills competition and the the three point contest. Yeah, I love, gonna, the, I love. Yeah, the, and then the, you, you might forget to turn your, your television station. So you may bleed into the actual game. <laughs> exactly. Because I definitely don't want to watch the game. Oh, here, here are the, uh, uh, the sports rankings for uh, the last week in broadcast television. Let's check. Uh, okay. The highest ranked NBA game was Brooklyn at Golden State. And that drew $2.5 Now, to put that into perspective, the uh, AT&T uh, PGA at Pebble Beach drew 4.1 million. Mm. Uh, the Daytona 500 drew 4.8 million. Damn, Kevin Harvick, man. So close. Uh, not a Kevin Harvick fan, but I, I like money. NC, uh, Michigan at Wisconsin and NCAA basketball drew 1.8, so just slightly less than the NBA. And, uh, uh, okay, hockey even was close, 1.7. Like I'm, that's not a great look for, like it should be more than that. You would think. Well, but, when's when's the last time that hockey and the NBA were even remotely in the same stratosphere for fan watching? Well, you in, always in the United States. You got to remember though, it, right now with everything going on, and, and I, TV ratings anymore, I kind of don't even. I take everything well, but differently. They I believe that, okay, yes, not as many people watch broadcasts on TV, period. But that's got to be still be for everything. And the fact that they're not 10 million ahead of everybody else is still surprising to me. Yeah. I can see or, that. Well, are you going to pull that uh, AEW theory? Oh, well, well there was the an election. Demo? Oh, there was an election. Oh, well, yeah, the impeachment thing. It doesn't matter what their rating is. It's always bad because there was something else on television. Well, yeah, that's how it works. There's other shit on TV every week. I mean, this week they're blaming. Well, there was a. It's because nobody in Texas could watch. No, I mean I'm not going to say that that it's a uh, that it was one of those. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, the only reason this happened is because of you know this or this. I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm just saying. No, I'm not saying you are. I don't take I don't take the ratings as seriously these days because of the constant way that it changes and the way the Nielsen product works. If that makes sense, like they yeah, reduce they, the number of people. They don't actually know. It's an education. No, because it's based on, okay, the TV was on. That much we know. Mm -hmm. And it was on this channel. But we don't know if there was eight people there, three, one, exactly. nobody, the nobody dog. Knows. We don't really know. I mean, they take it at plus two, they call it. Yeah. They assume that there's at least two people in the household watching. But as you, as we both know, uh, when you were a kid and something came on and there was four of you in the house, in my case, there were six of us, yeah. not all six of us were watching that television. Yeah. There's no way. And a lot of times it was just one of us. I mean, and, there's a lot of stuff, especially in my house, where everybody watches in a different place. 
and they, and we all, if we only watch one, then we're all watching something different. See, even technically, if you all had a Nielsen box, that would count as eight people. Yeah, and we're not. Well, you and I, maybe. Well, I mean, I can count double. Mm-hmm. Maybe my sister, but. Uh, well, well by she... by acreage, yeah. <laughs> In announcing, well, you know, they did come up. Isn't she responsible for the back 40? Uh, uh, in announcing all-star events on March 7th, the NBA and the Players Association will be committing more than $2.5 million in funds towards HBCUs and will provide additional support and awareness around equality, access to COVID-19 care, relief, and vaccines. That was put out uh, by the You know NBA. what I didn't like about that? What? I don't care that they give them the money. I'm fine with that. Yes. It was that the NBA somehow tried to make $2.5 million seem like a lot of money. It's better than what I could give, so. It is, but think about who they're giving. They're giving it to colleges. I bet you if you could add up the amount of money that are invested in those 10 universities, you'd go blind. Yeah, you're you're not really wrong. Uh, here was another big breaking news story for the Timberwolves. D'Angelo Russell will have arthroscopic surgery to remove a loose. I love how this was worded, by the way, to remove a loose body in his left knee. And it's expected to miss four to six weeks. What, conjoined twin? That's what I'm wondering. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. They meant body as in foreign substance, but that's not worded. Yeah. I mean. That's 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 medical speak, I think, not street lingo. Yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, man. They Russell still have part of Jimmy's leg on his knee. Russell's out four to six weeks. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. That trade went down over a year ago. They have not even played ten games together since it's all happened. I just had an awakening that maybe if the NBA really wanted to do something, they could have given the money to all these players who actually aren't playing but getting paid. That would have cru- that would have crushed the two and a half million. Yeah, it would have done it. Oh, uh, you know that's really mo. Oh, here's the we we got to announce this Eastern Conference starting lineup for the All Star Game: Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Giannis, Captain Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. There's your Eastern Conference starters. Mm-hmm. Can't really. I mean, I'm I'm not thrilled about Durant just because the amount of games he played. But on the surface, can't really argue with any of that. Yeah, I, that's what I said. I said, you know, Kyrie doesn't I'm not wild about, but at the same time, who do you put in his place? Doesn't really like. There's not a name that's screaming out at me that. What about? Fill in I mean, the, the only other guy that I think would have a legitimate gripe at starting would be like Zach Levine. Yeah, but he, but, but he's at least on the list. So. Yeah, I mean, he's going to make the team. But other than that, I really can't argue with they the best starting lineup. They didn't uh, Bradley Beal him like they did to him last year where he wasn't yeah. on the team. Uh, Beal, Beal so. got the start this year, and he, well, deserved, yeah, and he deserves it. That's because there was a check mark beside his name from last year where they went, oops. Well, <laughs> remember the fans do the voting for the starters. No, it's 50-25-25, isn't it? Oh, okay, well... A lot of the fans did vote for him. I believe I it's 50, 50 players, 25% fans, 25% media, I believe. Or 50 fans, 25 media, 25 players, something like it's three. There's three groups. Yeah. I think it's 50% fans. So maybe that explains why some of the guys are in the starting lineup because they all come from 
yeah, big, big cities. So, well, here's the West All Stars: Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James is the captain, Kawhi Ooh. Leonard, Nikola Jokic. Hmm. I mean, kind of hard to argue well, that one. Yeah, too. no, yeah, no. I said I looked at the entire list. There really wasn't anybody where I went. Okay, why are they here? And how come so and so isn't? The only one I thought maybe was a bit of a stretch that jumped out at me, and probably because you don't like him, was Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying he should should be an all-star. Hasn't played that much, though, so... Well, he hasn't played that great either, but again, the East is kind of weak when it comes to star power. Well, and then you got, like, uh, Utah, for instance. So you send Donovan Mitchell. Who else do you send? Like, they got a really good team, but who else do you send? Rudy Gobert. (laughs) He's played pretty great. Okay, but when we're talking, you know, in the discussion of all-star players, he probably doesn't come up. Yeah, that's true. Right? So it's kind of a... I mean, it's the same every year. There's always somebody who gets kind of missed. Well, they haven't announced who, who else is on the team. Yet. Well, that's not what I saw. Well, I've gotta... seen his captains and starters. Oh, well, I saw. Hold on. Let me. I've Let seen me... the list of voting for the starters, but I haven't seen a list of who's actually made the team. All that's been announced that I found is captains and starters. Well, I thought the list I saw was quite long, so I assumed it was. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, hold on. Uh, yeah, I was just going by what, you know, what I've seen. And by the way, LeBron James now 17-time All-Star. So that's that's pretty big. Maybe you're right. Well, I've got I've got front court and back court on ES from ESPN. Yeah, that's and that's the list of starters. They just or they're the top two in the back, the front court and the top three in the back court are the starters. Okay, and the voting is fifty uh, percent. Fans, yeah. 25 media, 25 players. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be a couple, like Anthony Davis isn't going to be able to play. So that's going yeah. to be one spot that somebody's going to have to come off the reserve list. Yeah. Uh, Kyrie Irving won't be able to find the uh, thing because he's going to be. <laughs> he's going to need a pause. Well, he's going to look for it, but it's going to be, uh, he's going to use a globe to find it. <laughs> and he's never going to be able to. He's never going to be able to translate that to his flat what, earth. Wasn't, the, wasn't it the show Dinosaurs that had the, uh, they said they were making globes uh, and the globe was, was, they said the world was flat. So the globe was, it was a, it was a globe, but it was sawed in half. <laughs> hey, good old Pangea. Um, that was yeah, great. Kyrie is uh, just well, I'll tell you what, let's shift to the NFL real quick before we have to get to <clears throat> our interviews and before we get out of here this uh, this hour has flown by here this first hour of the show um two nfl news stories number one vincent jackson found dead in a hotel room 38 years old uh, apparently suffering from alcoholism manic depression yeah, uh, and I still think there's more to this story. It just I hasn't, think there is too. It just hasn't come out yet. Whatever. It uh, might apparently, be. you know, the concussions is, is a lot to blame. Is what the family is saying. I'm not saying. Well, didn't he? Family. From the story I read, was that he had kind of went off the grid. Yeah, he did. 
and had moved into a hotel, which is odd. Yeah, very odd. And then his his family didn't know where he was. Then they had found him. Yeah, they found him. And then it was what a week or two later that then that he turns up dead. So, boy, that's an unsolved mystery waiting to happen, right? Yeah, there. I mean, it's an unsolved mystery without the without the music playing, and we really don't know any answers. Um, he was a great wide receiver, played for Tampa for a few years, was great in San Diego when they were still for, uh, in San Diego. Never want to speculate, but it sounds like there's some addiction issues and yeah, some, absolutely. Mental, and some absolutely. mental health problems there. And Well, uh, from what I read this morning, the family donated his brain to uh, be studied. I believe so. Uh, let me see well, if I can would be... Yeah, the family donated his brain to Boston University CTE Center in effort to learn more from his death. And I believe that's actually headed up by uh, Chris Nowinski. Former oh, and, and uh, in the CTE vein, then we'll come back to the basketball. That's fine. Uh, WWE will be in Supreme Court for I their discussion. I talked to our good friend Steve New. Oh yeah, and Steve, uh, in in the typical legal speak, said there's not a snowball's chance in hell. <laughs> I didn't think so either. Well, I, I told him. I said, well, it occurs to me that if you're going to he said, first of all, the WWE can never admit that CTE exists. They can't. Because as soon as they admit it, then they become liable liable going forward. But he said, in this particular case, there's not a single guy on that list that didn't wrestle somewhere else previous exactly. to WWE. Exactly. So until somebody can pinpoint the exact moment that you contract CTE... You know, when's, yep. when's the, what's the, where's the blow that gives you CTE? Exactly. Okay, nobody knows. You can't prove it. Well, it's right up there with concussion. Okay, what concusses you may not concuss me. I may have seven of those and not get concussed. You might have three and be totally off the charts. Other, you know, there's just no rhyme or reason. Yeah, they can't tell unless we're going to cut your brain open and have a look, which you can't do. So he he said it ain't happening. So anyway, yeah. well, last day. thing here, let's talk about it. Uh, Carson Wentz, the trade has went down. Carson Wentz is going from Philly. He is going over to Indianapolis, who refused to draft quarterback. They just say to hell with it. We're going to keep getting veterans. Well, well, Carson Wentz is only 28. That's he isn't true. That, he isn't that old, but he got a lot of miles on those wheels. Yeah, and honestly, I think... Uh, the Lions ended up getting way more for Matt Stafford than the Eagles got for Carson Wentz. They did. Wentz um, is going to Indianapolis in exchange for a 2021 third and a conditional 2022 second round pick. That could turn I, into. I suspect. Uh, I think he's going to do well there. He has if if he is as good as he was. He, yes. <laughs> If he's as good as yeah. if he's as good as he should have been, and as he was coming out of college, and he's willing to put in the work, that'd be the perfect spot for him. Well, their linemen are significantly better than yeah. what Philadelphia had on well, the field. They got a so, they got a rookie, or not a rookie anymore, but a, a great running back, Jonathan Taylor, back there. T.Y. Hilton's not a terrible receiver. He's going to have targets. He's going to have time. He's going to have a defense that's pretty good too. So. You know, that that's going to make a big difference. So, Carson Wentz, good for you. The Jalen Hurts era has begun in Philadelphia. 
I sort of feel for Jalen Hurts, though, because there is a revolving door of you're the greatest quarterback who ever lived. You suck in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. Even we if you can... win them a Super Bowl, they'll get rid of you, Nick Foles. But, uh, you know, Donovan, hey. Donovan wish... McNabb can't bear to go back to the city, and he was probably one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. He's the best quarterback they ever had outside of Randall Cunningham. And yet, yeah, and yet he can't get, you know, can't get a drink in that town without having to pay twice. Because he never got him a ring. Nick Foles is the only man that can drink in Philly. Yeah, and they ran Nick Foles out of town faster. I don't think they did. I think that was a that was a higher up decision that came back to bottom. Okay, but they yeah, but nobody missed him. Oh, that's okay. Wentz is the man. Yeah, yeah, saw that went. I'll tell you what, though, let's jump to commercial here and hear from our good friend, the law offices of Stephen P. New, our wonderful sponsor. And then we'll be back on the other side. We're going to hear from first the legend, speaking of Philadelphia, Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times. <laughs> I was going to be Tom Robinson. I got so no. <laughs> That's a different legend. Yeah. But the Bucks County Courier Times' own Tom Moore will be joining us. And then Gerald Bourget. From the Phoenix Suns. Well, not from the Suns, but he covers the Suns. He'll also be joining us here. You'll hear from our wonderful sponsors. And then after that, Tim and I will be back to wrap up the show. So let's kick it over to our great friend, Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because stripcamfun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's stripcamfun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Back again on Wide Men Can't Jump is probably our most famous guest, well, one of, and one of the favorites of our listeners from the Bucks County Courier Times, it's Tom Moore. Tom, again, it's always great to have you on the show, a, a legend in the world of uh, sports writing and covering the Sixers. Fiction is my specialty. <laughs> nice. Nice. But, um, 
you know, uh, we've had listeners even say, Hey, you know, you should try to get Tom on to host the show with you sometime. He's so good. And we love having him on. So you're a favorite of our listeners. And I was like, I don't think Tom Moore wants to spend two hours talking basketball with me, but, uh, nevertheless, uh, appreciate you coming on as always. Sure. Thanks for having me. Well, let's dive into it here. The 76ers right now, 18 and nine first in the Eastern conference. Um, having a pretty solid year so far this year. Are you surprised that they came out, you know, 18 and nine started hot this season after the way they finished last year? Well, a couple things. First of all, you know, you have Doc Rivers, you have an established coach, a guy who's won a championship, who knows what he's doing as a system, you know, who adapts to his personnel. And um, through last week, they had the easiest schedule in the league in terms of opponents not to demean what they're do- what they're doing, but you know they're beating the teams they should be they should yeah. be beating. Now they 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 just lost the le- the second and third games on the road trip against good teams, uh, Portland and Phoenix, um, and have the Jazz tonight, uh, the NBA leading Jazz. Uh, so they've had a little bit of a road bump. They were eighteen and seven um, after winning the first game of the trip in Sacramento for losing those two. Um, yeah, they, they kind of, they seem like they've gelled pretty well. They had a, a um, Seth Curry missed seven games after testing positive for COVID. And that kind of took them a little out of their comfort zone a little bit. And they, they uh, had to get things adjusted and get back to normal after um, some crazy games. They had one game where they actually only had seven available players. Um, yeah, I remember hearing Den- about that. Denver. Well, what happened, I guess, was they had... Embiid and Simmons weren't going to play because of injury, but they didn't put them on the original injury list. So I think that the league thought the Sixers were trying to get it so that they, like they would have had nine available players with those two guys. They didn't put them on the first injured list. Then all of a sudden they put them on the later one. And I think the league was like, and they ended up finding the Sixers 50 grand. And I think, but I think the league was like, you know, thought they were trying to pull a fast ones because they didn't want to play. So they ended up with seven guys playing and Mike Scott in uniform, but unavailable and not surprisingly they lost, you know, at home with Isaiah Joe playing 46 minutes, second round pick off the bench. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think they've gotten off to a pretty good start. I think it's the schedule's getting a little more demanding and we're finding out now and we'll find out uh, the next month or two, get a better idea of how they do against good teams, both at home and on the road. Well, the Sixers have always been kind of a, a home corner advantage kind of team, even in the pandemic, you know, they're 11 and two at home, but on the road, they're seven and seven. And of course the one home game they did lose was that, you know, we only had seven guys available game. So we'll count that as a mulligan in my opinion. So they're really a, a home team. And if they're able to keep this, this home win vibe going, especially as now maybe fans will start to be allowed back into games and things like that. Um, does them potentially staying higher up in the East I, that that would help them as a, a team that plays better at home? Yeah, certainly. I mean, assuming again, the caveat is assuming they don't make the teams all go into a bubble for the playoffs, which yeah. you never know, depending how things are going with the pandemic. But if they continue the way things are going, even without fans, they are clearly a, you know, a, a good home court team and not so good on the road. Now I think, two or three three of those road losses and B did not play um 
And they, I think they've won one game without Embiid. Um, you know, clearly he's the guy. I mean, Simmons, yeah. Simmons and Harris are good numbers two and three, but it's it's all about you know Embiid. That that's the guy they have to get healthy. They have to have ready um, for the first time to be close to 100% for the playoffs if they're going to make a you know make a run. But yeah, if they can end up with like the second seed and theoretically get home court advantage for the first two rounds of the playoffs that would figure to be a pretty big advantage given how well they play at the Wells Fargo center. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Doc Rivers. I want to bring him up before we start looking at like individual players. Um, how, how is Doc Rivers coming in? Because I thought it might take a little longer than it has for Doc Rivers to kind of maybe not get control, but to kind of implement what he wants to do with this team and evaluate what he has and put the right system in place. But it seems like it's kind of jailed right from the beginning. Was this something that a, you thought would happen or did you, were you like me thinking, okay, it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. I, I think it was a little bit of a pleasant surprise that they, you know, they started out. So I think they were 15 and four or 14 and five, whatever it was, they got off to a really, really good start. Um, I think two things really helped. First of all, he identified Embiid clearly as the guy. So yeah. he is putting Embiid at the top of the key and the low post. If they double team, he's moving them all over the place, trying to make it more difficult to double team. And then with Seth Curry and, you know, um, uh, one of the best three-point shooters in the league and Tobias Harris, who he coached with the Clippers two years ago and, and had his best and had Harris's best year. So he, he knows how to utilize him, um, who's shooting much better from three and also scoring about 20 points a game. So I think that was an advantage having coached Harris for whatever it was, a couple of years with the Clippers, yeah. I think helped. Um, and yeah, he is putting the ball in Embiid's hands a lot more. Um, and he has some better shooters, uh, you know, to spread the floor with to help prevent the double and triple teams, you know, to some degree. Most teams still bring that. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if Curry's knocking down threes or Shake Milton off the bench or Cork Moss or whoever, um, it makes it a little tougher to do that. Well, you look at Embiid's numbers, 29 as of recording time right now, 29.6 points per game to go along with 10.8 rebounds. That's just, that's insane numbers right there. But Embiid is capable of that when healthy. And now with Doc Rivers running the offense through him and saying, hey, this is my guy, you know, yeah, you know, we, we got Ben Simmons. Yeah, we got Tobias Harris, but, but Embiid's got to eat. We got to feed Embiid. Um, he's really taken to this. And uh, do you think he's probably playing his best basketball of his career this season so far? Probably. Um, um, you know, when I first started covering the league, people talked about MVP as most victories produced. So the more games they win, the better they do, the better the chance I would think it for Embiid, you know, to be the, you know, the MVP, um, you can have a great year on a 500 team. You're not going to generally be the MVP unless you're just so much better than anybody else. It's not close. Yeah. But yeah, he, and he's, he's leading the league in free throws attempt and he's getting fouled a lot and he's making 85% of his free throws. So he's really, you know, going 13 for 16 from the line and, you know, uh, putting up big numbers. Um, he's shooting better from the field too. He's shooting less three pointers, which is ideal. He's not a bad three point shooter. But if he's shooting 25 footers, he can't get offensive rebounds. He's not, you know, in the basket area. So they really want him in like the mid range to the low post, ideally. Um, and he's playing about 34, 35 minutes a game. Um, and yeah, he, he, 
His, his mid-range shooting has been really good. His inside moves, you know, using both hands and so on. I would say he, he is having, you know, the best year, the best year of his career. And the team is the best team he's played on. So the combination of factors is why, you know, he's getting attention and getting mentioned as a possible MVP yeah. candidate. Yeah, he's in that top six echelon, that MVP race, which is going to be really tight, I think, as we get closer uh, towards the end of the season. Let's look at Ben Simmons because here's kind of um, a guy who, you know, puts up numbers. Some people like him, some people don't. We've been critical of him here on this show as, uh, you know, as a guy who his lack of shooting ability hurts him, in my opinion. But uh, 14.1 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 7.9 assists. What is Doc Rivers and his staff doing to make Ben Simmons more effective? and not leaving him just like, okay, well, there's Ben Simmons on offense, just guarding from the free throw line out and you'll be fine. Yeah. Free throw um, line in, I should say. Yeah, really. I mean, and even then he doesn't like to take 12 footers. No, he doesn't. Three pointers. So they just back guys really basically at the rim. They can double team and bead if he's out there. Yeah. Um, They've encouraged him to attack the rim and he seems to do a better job of that. Not in the fourth quarter as much, but more in the, in the first half and the first three quarters, because he's so fast at his size, he's a real matchup problem. If you put a little guy on him, you can go over him. You put a big guy on him. He's too fast for him. Mm -hmm. So he is, you know, he gets to the basket pretty well. Um, He's shooting free throws a little better. I think he's 64%, which is not where he need to be, but it's the best he's done in his career so far. He's kind of slowly getting better in that respect one of those things where you you'll take that at this point yeah i mean it's it's not ideal and late in the games you know you wonder if teams will foul him on purpose or accidentally on purpose or whatever yeah uh because you know you're making 64 65 percent you're going to make you know two out of three or three out of five or whatever it is you know you can uh um you can make up some room if you can knock down a three at the other end um he has been but he puts up you know he puts up numbers he gets rebounds he he um, is very good at finding his teammates. He knows where they like the ball. He looks for them in their sweet, sweet spots. Um, he's big on the, uh, you know, 14 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, triple double, that kind of, you know, game. Yeah. He, he has, you know, them, but I still think that mid range that, you know, there's open 12 footers or shots. You just have to take, even if you don't make them, you have to take them. Yeah. Um, and I think that would really help with spacing and other issues. Yeah, that's been my my one of my biggest criticisms of Ben Simmons is it's not the fact that he misses, it's that he just doesn't take them. You could go, you know, you can make one out of ten, but you got to make teams guard you, and that's that opens up the floor. If they know you're not going to shoot, they're not going to guard you. That's just how I've always felt. But one guy who's not afraid to shoot, Tobias Harris. You mentioned him, twenty points per game, having a great year. What does Doc Rivers do that's so much different than everybody else? What does he know? What kind of secrets does he have about using Tobias Harris? Because like you said, he's the guy who did it before. And now he's doing it again. Yeah. He, he um, encourages him to kind of attack and just play as opposed to getting the ball and waiting and thinking, you know, just go. Um, uh, and he has gotten, you know, more, more driving buckets. He's shooting better from three. He just looks faster and I'm sure he's not faster. I think he's just really comfortable in the way rivers uses him. And I think he, I think he, um, you know, really is being that, that 
kind of stretch four that they really need. Um, and, and they, that I, Embiid is, you know, uh, craves to play alongside to help with spacing. Um, but yeah, he, he, he just, he has them. He has, I think Rivers has confidence in Harris and Harris has confidence in Rivers. And you can kind of see that. And he knows, for instance, that Harris really likes to go to his left. So when he runs plays, he runs them a lot of times, pick and roll, whatever. He doesn't have the pick coming to his right. He has it coming to his left. And most guys are dominant to their, yeah. you know, to their ball hand. He is not. He prefers to go to his left. And it's a little thing, but it's something that Rivers knows and he takes advantage of. Well, and defenders would, wouldn't know that either. So that's kind of a... Right. Generally, something. I mean, you... Allen Iverson almost never went left. Lou Williams almost never goes left. Like they're, they go, but they're so quick. They're hard to stop. Yeah. But this way, yeah, you, you beat guys to the, to your offhand and then they're not sure what's going on. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Uh, this was one, a guy that came in that I thought was just kind of nepotism, but he's worked out Seth Curry, the son-in-law as they call him, uh, maybe yeah. in Philly. Uh, but man, he's fit in quite well there, you know, averaging 12.7 a game playing well. I mean, I, I don't think this, I, I joke, it's a nepotism higher, but doc rivers really wanted him there and he's really made a, a big difference on this team. What, what are you seeing out of Seth Curry for the six? Yeah, he's, he's not just making shots. Now, when he, when he got COVID, um, in Brooklyn about five weeks ago, he was leading the NBA in three-point shooting at 59.5%. Now, that was only like nine games in, so it wasn't a big cross-section. Um, but he's not only knocking down threes, he's kind of – he and Simmons are kind of sharing the ball-handling duties with that first group, and he's doing a really good job of – you know, he has a lot of like four assists, no turnover games, you know, where he helps find guys. He knows where to get the ball to guys. Um and he's not the best defender, but they've done a pretty good job at kind of hiding him and having him bead behind him really helps, you know, that if he gets beat, that you'll have a guy at the rim who can, you know, who can block his shot. But yeah, I thought he'd kind of be a sixth man. It's what he's been, um, you know, for almost his entire career. And I thought Shake Milton would be the starter, but Rivers said, no, we're going to do it this way. And I was kind of a little hesitant, but, you know, it seems like it's working out. And then Milton is the sixth man. Now he missed the last couple of games with an ankle sprain and he, he, he won't play in the finale um, and they really miss him as a six man, not just for scoring, but to kind of be the ball handler on that second team, the ball is not moving and their bench really has struggled um, in those middle two losses on the road trip. Yeah. And the bench, if I had one area that I would, would look at Philly, maybe having a little bit of a struggle, especially once we get closer to playoff time, it's there's a little bit of a lack of bench depth. I think maybe you got eight, as your rotation i mean i don't think you, you could go nine but I, I me personally i don't know if you can uh shake milton though another guy who i really like on this sixers team i thought he was going to end up being you know almost maybe not the guy there but he could end up being really um a guy we're talking about before the end of the year and he's already averaging 14 a game as well uh, this was a guy the sixers took kind of late um and maybe kind of developed a little bit um what does Shake Milton bring to the table? Yeah, he spent a lot of time in the G League, actually. He did. Um, and last year was really the first time that he kind of got a chance. And ironically, um, he had like a 39-point game against the Clippers last year with him out yep. there with Embiid and Simmons out. I and remember I think that. It really caught um, Rivers' eye. And when he took the job, he said, "I, you know, I like him as a sixth man. Rivers has had five of the last seven sixth men of the year. 
Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford. He likes guys who can kind of combo guards who can create their own shots and create shots for yeah. other guys. Harrell, that, Harrell as well, as well on that. What's Montrez, that? Montrez Harrell. As yeah. Well. I mean, he wasn't a guard, but yes, he was a well, yeah. guy. And last year, right. He was the sixth man. You're, you're exactly right. So he, but he likes those little guys who can kind of play on and off the ball. And that's what Milton is. And he has good size. He's six, five. Um, he attacks the rim. He's a pretty good outside shooter. And he's a pretty good ball handler. So he kind of has a, you know, a skill set that works well um, with that second group. And sometimes they'll play him with starters, depending, you know, whether for Simmons or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Dwight Howard's the backup center, kind of solidified that position, you know, playing 16 minutes a night. Um, and uh, Matisse Thibel is a defensive minded wing, very good defensively, but not as good offensively. So he, he will guard typically the other team's best wing, uh, but then on offense um, has struggles a little bit. So he, you know, they, they need him to be more productive either as a three point shooter or going to the rim. And then Mike Scott's been the 10th man, but he has a kind of a chronic knee issue. He's missed. Uh, he missed like 13 games and just came back. I could see them trying Daryl Morey, trying to acquire like a stretch for like yeah. not Ilyasova, but somebody like that who's younger, yeah. uh, maybe I think it's pronounced Jalika. B-J-E-L-I-C-A from the Kings, who isn't playing much, who shoots the ball very well, who the Sixers thought they had signed three years oh, ago. Oh, uh, Nemanja Bialica. Yes, Bialica, yes. yeah, yes. Yes, yes. Right. For, so former Timberwolf, I remember. And he's not playing. So they actually have an $8.1 million trade exception. They could trade him for a second-round pick and just absorb his salary because he's making like $7.6 million. Yeah, so he left something. and went back to Serbia or something, and then but then changed his mind and came back and played for the Kings. It right, was almost he, like he, he didn't signed with the Sixers, Philly. changed his mind. Right, then was going to go back to Serbia is what he said, and then he came here and signed for more money than the Sixers were going to give him. The Sixers yeah. were a little annoyed, but I don't think they're so annoyed that if they could get him fairly cheap, and you know, give Doc Rivers another guy who's capable of maybe not playing every night, but being available and to help stretch the floor with that second unit or, you know, however they decide yeah. to do it. Um, that's the kind of guy, you know, somebody like JJ Reddick's available, but he's really, he has not shot as well. And he's such a liability on defense. I don't know that he would be coming back. Um, you know, there's some other guys out there, like as I said, Ilyasova, but I think he's pretty much over with. So they could use like a wing defender and they could use a stretch four. So, uh, you know, mainly for the second yeah. unit, I think that's what they'd like to get. And the trade deadlines much later this year, March 25th is what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's more time and the second half of the season hasn't been, you know, scheduled yet. So yeah. like the, some teams they've played three times and some teams they haven't played at all. So it's, it's a very odd season in terms of, you know, I guess they have to see how many games have to be made up and, Will there be a moratorium or, you know, what are they going to do exactly? And that's something they have to figure out. Are they yeah. still going to play the 72 games or what? Yeah. The Bielicha signing would make a lot of sense there. I was, I've been a Wolves fan for, you know, 20 years. I watched him play in Minnesota. He's a very good player. Another defense, you know, those European guys aren't big on defense, but yeah. uh, he can shoot and he can do a lot of things, especially ball handling at his size was an MVP over there in one of the Euro leagues, very talented player. But uh, one more question here, Tom, and I will let you go. And I appreciate you for everything here. Well, actually, two more questions. I'll let you go. Number one, Ben Simmons, is there hard feelings for all the rumors going around that possibly Philly's looking to move him for James Harden a few weeks ago when Harden became available? Is, 
you know, is Simmons taking that like, oh, well, you don't value me. Well, I see how it is. Is there anything like that going on? I don't think so. Actually, I think kind of two things. I think one, he's glad to be there and glad to kind of have not having that hanging over his head. But the other thing is, I think ego wise, when sometimes when you hear your name in trade rumors, in some ways, it's sort of disconcerting. But then when you're going to be the centerpiece for a guy like James Harden, you know, maybe it shows, well, you know, they, other teams value, you know, what I can do. So if it's, if, if it's true, he hasn't shown it either in body language or things he said or anything that we've heard. Yeah. So I don't believe that that's the case. And what I understand there was whatever the Sixers were offering, it seemed like the Nets just kept coming back for more and more. They were, they were going to get him one way or another. They kept adding things and, you know, make it, adding players, you know, good players, because they were bound and determined to make this happen for Harden. Yeah. So it, there were reports that, you know, the Sixers thought they had a deal and, you know, it was going to be Simmons, Thibel, rookie Tyrese Maxey, and some draft picks and some pick swaps. And I was told it never got that far that the Sixers, you know, kind of never got a chance to, to, to kind of top what the Nets did because they, uh, and I don't think they would have been able to, from the sounds yeah. of it, the Nets were just going to get it done. And I don't, it would be interesting to have him beat and Harden, but Harden's so ball dominant. It would, you know, I'm just not sure that yeah. if Embiid wasn't seeing the ball as much, it's, uh, you know, and defensively, he just doesn't guard at all. No, so not at all. He's going to have to score 35 because his guy's going to score 30 or whatever it is. So, um, you know, not that he's not a, an incredible talent and he does share the ball and so on, but, um, uh, sometimes the trades you don't make are the best trades of all. And maybe we'll, you know, we'll see yeah. maybe in this case, that'll be the case. And I think holding on to the picks is really a, a good thing. I, I'm big on holding on to draft picks instead of trying, unless you're absolutely positively dedicated to winning right now, hold on to those picks because you never know what it can turn out to be. Uh, last question for you, Tom, and I'll let you go. And again, I thank you so much for all your time. Who's a guy for the Sixers that we need to keep an eye on? Who's a guy that maybe down the stretch, uh, people aren't talking about obviously Embiid, Simmons, yeah. Harris are all there, but who's the guy, maybe that X factor, maybe somebody we need to look at and say, okay, here's a guy that, that can help make a difference. A couple of years ago, it was, you brought up Ilya Sova. I thought Marco Bellinelli stepped in and did well in that run. Who's going to be a guy like that for the Sixers? Yeah. Three years ago, you're right. They, they picked both of those guys up. They were in the last year of contracts and they were uh, bought out by their teams. Yeah. I guess it was the Hawk. I guess I said it was both the Hawks. It was the Hawks. The yeah. Sixers signed them both and they really made a difference. Um, and Embiid really liked playing with Ilyasova as a stretch four who would draw fouls, draw charges at the other end and so on. Um, uh, early on, it looked like it might be rookie Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he uh, had a 39 point game in that seven, in that game where they only had seven players where he was the offensive guy and he, he cracked the rotation and, and was really productive, but I think he, you know, he's kind of, I don't know if he's hit a wall or other teams have figured him out. Mm-hmm. So he has pl- been playing less and been less productive. It's probably to me, it's probably going to be Milton. Um, yeah. I would think just because of the way rivers values sixth men and, you know, with his skill set, as I said, he'll play 20 to 25 minutes. He'll have the ball in his hands a lot when Simmons is off the floor. Um, um and i think and he can score you know both getting to the rim and and from the three-point line so probably he's a guy um 
I would say, because like, you know, Howard and, and some of those, Danny Green, those guys, you pretty much have an idea what you're going to get from them. They yeah. don't really surprise you. But he's a guy that I think has some upside and I think will play a bigger role as time goes by. Do you think maybe the uh, Sixers might have an interest if uh, the contract is bought out of Blake Griffin? Do you think they may make a run there? I don't, you know, I don't know. It, it's a hard thing sometimes with stars. If you have too many guys in one place, you know, are you, uh, all right, is, let's say he starts. Well, now is Tobias Harris going to be the starting three? Yeah. Um, Danny Green goes to the bench. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but is he going to get enough touches to be happy? I mean, those are things that, you know, Team chemistry is a very yeah, and he's not thing. really a stretch four either. I, I no, I've heard right. he's not a real good at three point shooter. Yeah, so I would say if he were, you know, if he were a you know a three point shooter, then maybe it would make you know make sense, but probably not. Just from yeah. a, I just think a, as much as he could help you in some ways, I think it could really hurt. And how yeah, how are you going to work it out? And That's yeah, I, I, I'm just not sure about that one. Yeah, I just knew he had the history with Rivers, so you never know. But well, I, he has I played you know, for him. I, I agree. But I mean, of course, he's a different player now. Lob City is long gone. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're right. He's not a great outside shooter. Um, he's kind of transition. You're right. He's not as athletic. And you're right, dunking and attacking the rim and all that stuff. His game has changed. He's probably, you know, not as effective as he, you know, as he was. Um, it's certainly worth a call or a text. Yeah. But I don't know how it just, to me, it probably wouldn't be that viable um, an option for the Sixers. I understand. Well, again, Tom Moore, Bucks County Courier Times. Uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you, keep up with you, read your work. I know it's great, great stuff. Sure, Nate. Um, on Twitter, at Tom Moore Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y. Or um, at the buckscountycouriertimes.com slash sports. You can all find right. my stuff. Well, keep up with him. He covers all sports, Philly. Do you, you keep up with the Flyers, any? Not the Flyers as much. Wayne Fish does that. But yeah, mainly okay. Sixers, secondarily Phillies. I did some Eagles. I did a Villanova column last week. You know, a little yeah. bit of everything. There's a lot going on in, in Philly. And you oh, yeah. try, try to. Fun city. I haven't been there in a while, but I, I need to come back when this pandemic's over. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people have been there, uh, but you're right. It's uh, There's a lot to do, and there's a lot of different sections. And it's a very interesting place and so much great history. Best cheesesteak, real quick. Boy. Best place to get a cheesesteak. Uh, I've had the Tony Pats. Lu I've had the Geno's. I, I love would say Tony, Tony Luke's, probably. That That's the one I keep hearing. I haven't tried and Actually, it. better than the cheesesteak, I like their uh, roast pork Italiano. Ooh. which is uh, pork, uh, broccoli, Rob, and that sharp cheddar cheese, Ooh. sharp cheese. It is delicious. To oh, me, that's well. even better than cheesesteak. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, I'll come up and uh, you can buy me one. Sure, <laughs> let, let me know. <laughs> Thanks again, Tom. Really appreciate right, you. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, 
you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality product out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Back with us on the show is the NBA lead editor and Suns writer for the Step Back and Fan Side. It's Gerald Bourget. And Gerald, thanks again for jumping on the show and talking some hoops with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Always good to have you on. And uh, your Phoenix Suns right now are looking pretty daggone good out west. Fourth in the Western Conference right now, which is um, a lot higher than I think a lot of people expected them to be this early in the season. 17 and 9 record. They're playing pretty well at home, 10 and 4 at home, 7 and 5 on the road. They've won 6 in a row, including beating the 76ers. I know tonight as we record, they've got Brooklyn. Um Suns looking good. What what do you think is uh what do you think's the biggest positive for Phoenix so far this season? I think it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker sort of getting on the same page. Um you know, they, they fell to 8-8 eight and eight about, you know, 16 games in, and a big part of that was guys just trying to figure out their role, and especially for Booker and CP3, it seemed like they were trying not to step on each other's toes and, um, you know, trying to figure out each other's games, and they were honestly better when they were staggered. And then Devin Booker had that hamstring injury that sat him out for three games, and during that stretch, uh, CP3 just kind of took the reins and said, you know what, I'm going to do it myself because he had to. And it led to a faster tempo. It led to a more confident and more aggressive CP3, which is what they kind of needed. And then when Devin Booker came back, they started to fit a lot more seamlessly together, and Book's played like an all-star since then. So it, it's really just a matter of getting their two best players on the same page and They've been able to survive, you know, guys like Dario Saric and campaign these key bench players being out because they have so much depth. So it, it feels like now that they're healthy, things are finally starting to fall into place for them. Yeah, and you mentioned Chris Paul, who's obviously having a great year. Uh, a lot of people a couple of years ago thought, you know, this is it for Paul. He's going to have to hang it up, but he says no. 16.7 points per game, 8.2 assists, 4.7 rebounds. Paul has been playing great and is really the leader of this team and, as you said, makes a big difference. Did you expect Chris Paul to come in and just kind of take the reins and lead this team the way he has this season? I kind of did. I, I think, you know, I think Devin Booker's probably been their best overall player, but Paul has been invaluable in terms of what he brings to the table for this younger team you know, instilling winning habits, making sure that people are focused and engaged and locked in on every possession, just doing the little things that it takes to play, you know, 48 minutes of winning basketball and to finish off some of these games. Uh, early in the season, they were dropping quite a few close games because, you know, there, there was that growing pains process. This is a Suns team that is used to either not being in close games or not knowing how to finish them off. And so there was a little bit of that going on a little bit of playing down to their competition, but, um, you know, through those experiences, those learning experiences, they've been a lot better in that regard. Um, and they've been beating some good teams lately. You know, they beat the Bucks and the Sixers at home. They're on this six game win streak at home. And, uh, 
you know, it's starting to feel like this team is is not reaching its ceiling yet because we're still very early in the season, but they are starting to gel in a very real way. And Chris Paul is obviously his leadership is, you know, instrumental in that. How much of the early success in the Suns this season do you think goes to the coach, Monty Williams? I, I think a lot of it. Um, you know, Monty has caught some criticism for some of his rotations. Um, there are a lot of people that have questioned because they've been starting Frank Kaminsky next to DeAndre Ayton lately. Um, and, you know, moving Cam Johnson into the starting lineup over Jake Crowder wasn't the solution to you know, that starting lineup was not doing very well, and Cam Johnson moving in over Jay Crowder wasn't the right solution either. But, um, you know, just the culture that he's instilled here, the way that he's gotten role players like Langston Galloway and each one more to stay ready despite fluctuating minutes was huge in them weathering the storm of, of guys like Sharich and um, campaign being sidelined for considerable stretches there. So, he's really kind of revamped the culture here and made it possible for not only Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges to thrive, but to make Phoenix a more attractive destination where guys like Chris Paul want to be traded here, where guys like Jay Crowder want to sign here, um, where guys like Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway sign on for the veteran minimum when they probably could have gotten a better contract somewhere else. Um, he is a huge part of that. So, you know, there, there have been some things here and there where he needs to be better, um, including in some game, late-game situations. Early in the season, this team was coughing up, you know, double-digit leads to teams and not being able to close out. But, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world for this roster coming together the way that it has and for this team being on the same page as far as guys wanting to be stars in their particular role and embracing those roles. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Devin Booker. Devin Booker averaging twenty four and a half points per game, really embracing his role now alongside Chris Paul, and I think that was what was missing this whole time. And a lot of people will say that Booker needed a little bit of help out there at the guard position, and now he's got it and he's thriving. Is this something we could see from Booker from here on out? Is this kind of the level of play that is expected out of him at all times? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, ever since he's come back, he's looked a lot more like the Devin Booker we're used to. It was, uh, I mean, for him, it was a relatively quiet start to the season, just as they were trying to get on that same page in the backcourt. But, you know, his first game back, he hits a game winner against Dallas and scores like 15 points in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he, he went off against Detroit. He's had, you know, I think he had three straight 30-point games between Cleveland and Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, he just took over late in games when he's needed to. And, like, against Orlando, against a shorthanded team, even in this most recent game, they only had eight players. They were missing a lot of key guys. And he just comes out and scores 17 in the first quarter to kind of set the tone for the rest of the game, put Orlando down early, and the Suns just kind of cruised in a blowout victory the rest of the way. So he's been really good about, um, rising to the occasion when he needs to, but also staying rooted in, you know, making the right pass, playing team basketball, playing better defense. Um, so if he continues to play like this, I feel like it'd be a pretty big snub if he doesn't make the all-star game, even though his numbers aren't quite what they were, you know, the last couple seasons. 
Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. This is a guy that I've come out and said I believe is probably benefiting the most from having Chris Paul on this Suns team now. Would you agree with that? Do you think DeAndre Ayton with his basically 14 points per game, 12 rebounds a game, a walking double-double, do you feel like he's benefiting the most with having to play with Chris Paul now? I think so. I think it's either him or Booker, to be honest. I think with Ayton, the results have been a little bit up and down this season, just trying to get used to what Chris Paul wants from him because CP3 is – a winner for a reason, but that reason is that he's a pretty demanding teammate. He expects a lot of you, especially if you're a talented, athletic big man like Aiton is. And Aiton's offense has not always been there. The Suns have made the mistake of, of trying to force feed him the ball in the post sometimes to get him going early. And honestly, the way that DeAndre Aiton makes his best impact is by, you know, hitting the offensive glass by setting good screens, rolling hard, and sealing his man when he's got a mismatch. Um, and he's he's been a little timid at times on offense, so there is still that kind of um, acclimation process that they're going through as far as Aiton learning how he can be dominant. And uh, that's still kind of ongoing, but there have been stretches where he's looked absolutely incredible because he's doing those little things. And his defense has been great this season. So I think Chris Paul has a very strong influence on all of that. Even if Aiton's numbers are also down compared to what they were last year, it feels like there are stretches where Aiton is more of an impactful player than he was last year, you know, when he was putting up like 18 and 13 or whatever it was. Um, so he's, he's not getting as many offensive touches, but on a team like this that has so many three-point shooters and so many offensive threats, I feel like that was kind of to be expected. Let's talk about Mikael Bridges. This is a guy who was drafted by the 76ers and then traded to the Suns. And, you know, it was kind of just a 3 and D guy. But as of this season, he has really cranked up the offensive intensity. He's averaging 14 points per game to go with five rebounds. He's really come into his own as a nice pro. What what do the Suns expect Mikael Bridges to do with this lineup here? Because, you know, he's not going to be one of the top three guys on it, but... He's playing really well and averaging, you know, again, up to close to 15 points a game. Yeah, I think what he's doing now is what the Suns envisioned for him as far as just building on these different aspects of his game. Like, he's already an all-defense caliber defender, and he covers a lot of positions, a lot of different guys, and he does it well. You know, the, the phrase Mikhail Jail has become a very popular one on Suns Twitter just because he's capable of locking down some of the game's brightest stars on the wing, especially. Um, but he's also been very efficient from three-point range for the first time in his career. He's shooting 39.5% from three on five attempts a game. And the biggest thing is what he's been able to do outside of that three and D skill set that he was kind of labeled for coming into the draft and in his first few years in the league. He's been attacking off the dribble a lot more and hitting that mid-range shot, that mid-range pull-up. And he's, said that he's watched film of guys like Kevin Durant and Brandon Roy as far as guys that were really good at that and in order to learn from them and be better in that regard. So when guys close out hard on him on the three-point line because he's been shooting so well this season, he's capable of driving right past them and pulling up for a mid-range around the paint or just outside the paint, which has been really good for his offense. And he's also been a very good off-ball cutter, which, you know, when you have guys like 
Chris Paul or Devin Booker capable of manipulating that pick and roll. And then defenses have to contend with their mid-range game as well as DeAndre Ayton rolling. When you've got a guy like Bridges that's capable of cutting and finding those right spots to keep the defense on its toes, um, that's huge, and it, and it leads to some easy buckets. So Mikael Bridges is looking like the Suns' third star right now, honestly. Um, you know, he's averaging more points per game than DeAndre Ayton, and while Ayton's been impactful defensively, I feel like Bridges has had a larger impact, um, especially on the defensive end this year. Yeah, I really like Bridges coming out of college. I thought he was a, a steal for the Suns to grab, and uh, they've really done well with him. Let's look at the Suns lineup here because, they, you know, we could sit here and go through the lineup all day. I mean, like you said, there's so much depth here on the Suns lineup. I mean, are they capable of going 10 to 11 deep? I think so. I mean, they've they've gone, you know, kind of 12 deep. A guy like Javon Carter has actually been – I'm from West Virginia, so that's my guy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been disappointing if you're a Javon Carter fan for sure. But the way that Etwan Moore has come in with campaign out, the way that Langston Galloway has been shooting the ball with limited touches in his minutes, um, you know, there's depth at every position here. I feel like the biggest need, especially when Charge was out, was having a legitimate backup five. Um, Frank Kaminsky has played great this season, and surprisingly, the Suns have continue to win with him in the starting lineup next to DeAndre Ayton, but they need a, a bigger guy down there. Some like, you know, Frank Kaminsky is not going to stop opposing centers from having their way inside the paint. Um, and with Sharich out, that was a big need. And, and even with Sharich back, it's still kind of a need because as good as Sharich is in that backup five role, uh, he can, you know, he's prone to being bullied on the block by bigger yeah. centers as well. Um, and those Damian Jones minutes have been tough. But outside of that, they really go two or three deep at pretty much every position. So that is huge, especially in a season like this where, you know, guys have been in and out of the lineup due to injuries, due to COVID. Um, you know, we had that shortened off season and shortened training camp. So, you know, these guys have been working to get on the same page while also trying to stay healthy and avoid injuries. So this is a huge season for having bench depth. I think in the playoffs that won't be as much of an asset because, you know, rotations shorten up, um, you know, assuming that Suns continue on this trajectory. But I think for now, for kind of traversing this very weird regular season that's different from any other we've ever seen before, um, having two to three guys at every position is a huge benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Um you talk about the backup five role. Do you think with the depth that everyone has on the Suns roster here, do you think maybe that'll be a, a trade deadline move they look to make? Like maybe one of the one of their pieces they look to trade away and to bring in a, a backup five. I know there's been some talk, you know, Andre Drummond's contract, maybe even, you know, I don't know if he would fit at, at the five, but Blake Griffin is becoming talked about becoming available. Uh, and if they do decide to to trade someone, who do you think would be available to bring in an, a backup five from this roster? Yeah, I mean, you've heard all the chatter about Drummond and Blake Griffin lately, obviously. Uh, yeah. I think their contracts are a little too big for the Suns to take on without giving up significant pieces of their roster, and I think they like where they're at right now. So I think, especially in Griffin's case, if they were to add someone like that, it would be on the buyout market, not as yeah. a trade. Um, 
John Collins is a guy that has been mentioned a lot. I like Collins, but I'm not sure that I want to have to pay him, you know, max money or borderline max money this summer. And I'm not sure how much he raises their ceiling from where they are now, considering what they'd have to give up to get him. Um, I honestly think the Suns should be looking for just a capable veteran backup center somewhere. Um, and there are guys available right now that I've continued to mention, but the Suns seem content with what they've got here. Um, even though the Damian Jones minutes have not been good. Um, I feel like <laughs> someone like they, they just haven't been good. Um, <laughs> I've been there. You try to be as nice as you can, but it's just like, I don't ever want to see this again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been rough. And, and he's had a couple of stretches where he's looked okay and he's, you know, hits offensive glass or whatever. But, you know, when Sharch was out, it was, it was painful for a minute there with him in. Um, but I, I feel like um, Dwayne Dedman, is a guy that is still floating out there as a as a free agent. Um, even someone like Kyle O'Quinn would be an upgrade. Um, just someone that's, you know, capable of being a third-string big. And those are both, you know, Deadman is a guy that protects the rim. He can shoot threes. He's been in the league for a while. And then Kyle O'Quinn is just a capable big. And that's all you need from them is someone that can log minutes in a pinch because they don't need the, these guys to come in and play 15 to 20 minutes they just need maybe five minutes a night and uh maybe more than that on a night where a guy is injured but i like those two names for the suns but i'm not sure that they're actually going to make a move based on what they've been doing so far because those guys have been available this whole time what about jay crowder he's a veteran that comes into phoenix and he's a great defender in my opinion He's actually scoring 10 points per game with five rebounds. Just a nice piece to have. Um, I have expectations kind of been a little higher now for Jay Crowder because, you know, I didn't expect him to come in and be a double-digit scorer for the Suns team, but uh, here he is doing just that. Uh, what's the expectations for Jay Crowder? Yeah, I think I think with Jay Crowder, the Suns need to put him back in the starting lineup. And it's rough because – when he was in the starting lineup, that, that starting five of CP3, Booker, Bridges, Crowder, and Ayton was outscored pretty severely. Um, you wouldn't expect it from a group like that. You would expect that group to kind of gel pretty well because there's a lot of complementary skill sets there, a lot of basketball intelligence, and just a lot of talent. But for whatever reason, they were starting games off super slow, um, and it wasn't working. And I think part of that was the shortened training camp, guys just trying to get to know each other and also the slow pace that they were playing at. Um, and then once they put Cam Johnson in over Jay Crowder, Crowder's shooting went downhill, and so did Cam Johnson's, but the team was playing at a faster tempo, so they weren't you know, starting games off in a hole every time. Um, I think we've gotten to the point now where the Suns are comfortable with what they've got, um, and I feel like now is the time to put Crowder back in the starting lineup because – Cam Johnson is better off the bench, and Crowder has not shot the ball well off the bench compared to when he's playing with that starting group. So I feel like now is the time to kind of switch back if they want to hit their ceiling, but it's going to take a loss for them to probably change up the starting lineup again because so far I think they're 4-0 and or 5-0 and since they put Frank Kaminsky in the in the starting four spot. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. That's kind of where Monty's head is at right now. I, I think it's doing the team a little bit of a disservice if they keep it going for much longer because, 
you know, you're not going to win games in the playoffs with Kaminsky starting at the four. And lately he's only been playing, you know, 10 to 15 minutes in that starting role anyway. So it's not he's just a starter in name kind of um, not in his actual playing time. So I feel like at some point they're going to switch it back and do themselves a favor by putting Crowder in that starting lineup again. He shoots the ball much better and much more confidently when he's playing with the the other starting five. But, um, yeah, so far he's been good. A little inefficient with his shot, but, you know, he's a, he's kind of a streaky shooter, so you, you kind of expect that. And he's brought a lot more to the table in terms of intangibles and just kind of that veteran leadership and support when he's on the floor. You know, this run by the Suns, really seems to stem all the way back to the bubble um, this past year where they were able to just absolutely go on a tear. They just missed the playoffs, but everyone says, you know, hey, this is the team to watch out for. Then in the offseason, they bring in Chris Paul. How much of the success in the bubble with the Suns running the table do you think attributes to Chris Paul saying, hey, this is a young up-and-coming team. I want to go there. Yeah, I mean, I think the bubble was kind of the launching point for all of this. It was the point where, I mean, the Suns were having a decent season. They had been kind of ravaged by injuries, and, you know, Aiton's 25-game suspension didn't help things either. But they were still multiple games under 500 when the bubble began. They were one of the teams that was considered just kind of lucky to be there. Um, and then they go on this 8-0 tear where they, they're playing their hearts out every night. And they were one of the teams that had the most to play for, not because they needed to win every game to have a chance of making the playoffs, but also because they're a young team that had been trying to find its chemistry, find its groove all season long with guys in and out of the lineup. And they were missing Kelly Oubre and Aaron Baines, but for the most part they had everybody healthy. So they wanted to come in and get as many games in to build that chemistry as possible, and they made the most of it. So that was kind of an eye-opening moment for the rest of the league because they realized that what Monty do, Monty Williams is doing in Phoenix is helping turn the culture around. You know, they realized that Devin Booker is a winning player when he actually has help around him. They realized that Cam Johnson is a sniper, that Mikael Bridges is going to be a two-way star here soon. Um, they realized that there's a lot of attractive youth in Phoenix. And I don't think without that 8-0 run of a guy like Chris Paul wants to come to the Phoenix Suns. You know, Devin Booker's turnaround shot on the Clippers, that game winner that he hit, was one of the biggest shots in Suns history, and it was one of the biggest shots made in the bubble. I think maybe Anthony Davis's game winner in the playoffs and Luka Doncic's game winner in the playoffs were the only shots that compared to it throughout yeah. that whole that whole bubble run. And And the quality of basketball in the bubble was actually really incredible just top to bottom. Um, which was surprising. But I feel like without that bubble run, guys like Chris Paul, guys like Jay Crowder don't have an interest in Phoenix. Um, and even guys like Langston Galloway and Etuan Moore, they're not interested in signing on. But the perception of the Suns finally shifted last season and especially with that 8-0 bubble run. Well, one more thing, and I'll let you go. And I do appreciate all the time that you've uh, given us here on the show. Um mm-hmm. Let's look at the Suns roster. This is a question I usually end with with almost every guest. We're looking at the Suns roster. Who's maybe a guy that we're not hearing about in the mainstream? Obviously, we hear Aiton, we hear Paul, we hear Booker, 
Uh, Mikael Bridges is starting to sneak up. Who's who's the guy on this roster, though, that we really should keep an eye on that might be a, a Phoenix Suns unsung hero, a guy that nobody's talking about, but maybe we should be talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think he's missed considerable time, but that description, <laughs> I was thinking Dario Saric the entire time. Um, you know, he's averaging just under 11 points per game. He's not shooting the ball particularly well from three. His numbers aren't going to leap off the stat sheet. But in terms of plus minus, he is a team high plus 7.9. And the next closest player is Cam Johnson at plus five. He is huge for their bench. Um, Monty Williams always describes him and Frank Kaminsky as connectors off the bench, which means they're guys that can put the ball on the floor, um, can make plays from that five spot, can pass, can shoot can do a little bit of everything, and he's held his own on the defensive end um, as a backup center as well. The Suns are really optimizing him in that backup five spot, um, and he's he's talked about embracing his role and wanting to be a star in his role. You know, he, he acknowledges that every guy in the NBA wants to play 48 minutes a night. They want to be stars, but the key is to embrace your role for the good of the team and to be a star in that role. And that's what he's done. Um, you know, he's only played nine games, but man, the first few games back since he's finally been back after dealing with COVID and dealing with an ankle ankle tweak, um, it was just a breath of fresh air remembering all that he can do off the bench and, and the little ways that he makes an impact on winning basketball. So he is kind of the epitome of what you just described as far as, um, an unsung hero who deserves a little more credit, even if his numbers aren't going to jump off the page at you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been a Wolves fan for a long time, and I miss Dario uh, being there. I really do. I really miss Dario being there in, in uh, Minnesota. We could really use him. Uh, he's just he's just one of those guys that he does things that you don't see in a stat sheet, but if you follow the game and you watch, it's just these little things that, you know, just – you can put him alongside a big and let him play and the little dump off passes and the way he can create space and the way he can get in the lane and clog the lane and get your big and easy bucket. You know, it's nobody talks enough about him, if that makes sense. And he's been underappreciated everywhere he goes and he, but he's a fantastic basketball player in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. He's, He's the epitome of just underrated and, and does the little things that you want on a winning team, especially in that bench role that the, that the Suns have got him in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Gerald, we appreciate all the time you've given us today and coming back on the show, and I really do appreciate it, and I hope you're staying warm. I know you're out in the, in the west out there. I don't know if you're getting hammered with the weather like we are right now. It's pouring the snow, but I hope you're staying yeah, safe. And, go ahead. Yeah, no, I've I've seen it's been snowing like crazy out out there. Um, we're lucky here in Phoenix; it's still <laughs> in the 60s around here. But um, I, I won't rub it in too much because I know that's uh, it's cold everywhere else right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's nice and freezing right now here. But uh, once you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and find your work and and anything you want to plug, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm still writing for Fansided, um, so you can find all my work on the NBA section of Fansided.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at G-E-R-A-L-D-B-O-U-R-G-U-E-T, and uh, you can also check out the Valley of the Suns podcast that I am the host of. Um, 
we do a lot of fun stuff, and then we also do some entertainment stuff, like our last episode we just talked about uh, the new movie Judas and the Black Messiah. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about, have a lot of cool guests on. Um, so make sure to check out the Valley of the Suns podcast if you get a chance as well. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, Gerald, and we'll hope to have you back soon and talk more Suns basketball. I know we got a lot of Suns fans who listen in. So, again, appreciate all your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Thank you. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game system, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Thanks again to Tom Moore, Gerald Bourget, and all of our wonderful sponsors, the Law Offices of Stephen P. News, Strip Cam Fun, Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. Well, Tim, that's going to do it for us this week. A, a great show and lots of info covered, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, really sports heavy and nothing wrong with that. Put a bow on this bitch. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. And, uh, Tim's feeling better and everything's good so far. So we're hoping, uh, you know, we'll be back Wednesday next week. We're sorry for the delay, but here's your new episode as we promised. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a rough week, but we're getting through it. Everybody out there, especially in Texas and, you know, stay safe, be careful. Um, stay warm if you can. This winter storm has been a bitch. But uh, we're getting through. I mean, we call it a winter storm in the States. Tim calls it, you know, a slow summer. Tuesday. Yeah. Summer. <laughs> Tim calls that <sighs> spring. But, um, but, yeah, hope everybody has a great weekend. And uh, hope you win some money betting like uh, Tim and I are going to try and do. How about, um, how about the most wonderful thing about Bogus is he always keeps his plate clean. Well, he, he does. And when he hears Bush League, he's a dancing machine. <laughs> Jesus! Came up with that off the top of my head just now. What are you good, that was good. You see, he was Jesus. playing guess who. Right was, time, Jesus. He was playing uh, guess who was Giada the other night. Did you see her doing her math? Yeah. Did you see that video? Yeah. I haven't true. heard anybody say the word takeaway. I haven't heard that in a while either. It, me, I, I even commented and I said, "Man, that takes me back to my grade school days." Yeah, that's a throwback. Having take away three, I you know, take, you know, everybody says minus these days. You don't take think away. about it. Take away, no. though. it makes but so it was, much it sense. Was, it, and smart as a whip, that child. I don't he know. Is, I, uh, when they were playing Guess Who, uh, I'm pretty sure Bogus's card in front of him was actually Stephen P. New, and Giada would, couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because she doesn't watch AEW. <laughs> she's smarter than the average kid. Yeah, on AEW. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't I saw that. that. That was funny. One of the greatest right. 
moments in broadcast history, right? It there. really was one of the greatest clips of all time. All right, that's so, good. Uh, be- well, before you wrap it up, what's on tonight's schedule? Uh, what, what's what's got your sports eye? Oh, it- um, well, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to this weekend. Elimination Chambers this weekend for the WWE. You got some NASCAR happening NASCAR, tomorrow. NASCAR, a little road course action this weekend. I might uh, flip over for that. Uh, West Virginia, Texas tomorrow. Really hard for me not to get excited for that one. Number 12 versus number 13 in Texas. I mean, we've got uh, uh, Shinston Stomach Pumps versus uh, Tom <laughs> Robinson's School of Acting. Oh, the, God. The Shinston Over 40 League. That should oh, be a battle. Man. Yeah, that that one that one's going to come down to the wire. That's for sure. The oh, the wire the wire that starts the, the pacemaker. The but wire. it's definitely going to come down to the wire. Tom Robinson School of Acting, the wire. <laughs> Two things you'll never hear in the same sentence again. Uh, basketball wise, uh, in terms of Jazz Clippers I, tonight, late night game, Jazz Clippers. Well, tonight that's, is uh, for us uh, Canadians. It's uh, Edmonton against Calgary in hockey. That's oh, uh, Katie bar the doors. Yeah, that's there's probably going to be a fight or two tonight, so we're all for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, all right, let's jump on. Hey, out oh, hey, Nate, curling. Oh, curling. Curling coming coming up. Oh, yeah, Canadian Championships start next week. All right, can't wait for probably that. Gonna, I'm probably going to live stream that. <laughs> hey, I'll get on my fire stick and well, never mind. All right, it's going to sweep Thursday night curling with Nate Bush. Right. <laughs> SCTV rules. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. (laughs) W-V-O-W. Thursday night curling. I wish. That would be great. All right. Have a good one, everybody. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WMCJ. Check us out there and download our podcast directly from Anchor or subscribe on one of the many platforms where we're located, including iTunes, Spotify, and more. Thanks to our great sponsors for making this program possible, New Taylor & Associates at newlawoffice.com, Atomic Comics & Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics & Collectibles, LLC, Strip Cam Fun at stripcamfun.com, as well as Stay Classy Meats, located at stayclassymeats.com. Use our promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Talk with Nate and Tim, and we hope you come back and join us again for our next episode at the same spot you found it last time. Thanks again to the wonderful Horse Burner for providing our intro song, as well as all the other content they bring out. Check them out on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope to see you back next time. For Tim, this is Nate saying so long for now, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Wide Men Can't Jump.